Welcome to Get on the Mend from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We at Get on the Mend want you to get healthy and stay healthy. So with evidence-based advice from physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers, take charge of your health. This episode's guest is Dr. Jennifer Fye, professor in the School of Medicine's Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. With September being Polycystic Ovary Syndrome Awareness Month and PCOS affecting one out of 10 women of childbearing age, we talk about the symptoms and complications of PCOS and how to talk to your primary care provider about PCOS. Dr. Fai, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? Yes, I'm a professor at the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm in the Department of OBGYN, and our division is called the Center for Fertility and Reproductive Surgery. And I take care of patients who are desiring pregnancy, and I also take care of patients who are having problems related to hormones like polycystic ovary syndrome or endometriosis or pelvic pain. So could you tell us, this being PCOS month, could you tell us a little bit about what is PCOS? Polycystic ovary syndrome is a relatively new condition. It was just identified in the 1930s. And it is a female condition that is diagnosed by having two of three specific symptoms or findings. So to have PCOS, you have to have two of these three things cycles, menstrual cycles that are a little bit farther apart, like more than 35 days apart. There needs to be some evidence of higher male type hormones, and that can either be found clinically where women kind of note a a little bit darker, coarser hair growth on their chin or neck or abdominal area, like between their belly button and pubic area. Elevated male hormones can also be diagnosed by blood work. So women might have an elevated testosterone level. And then the third potential finding is the presence of a polycystic ovary. And that's detected by ultrasound. That's how the condition got its name. In contrast to a normal ovary, which is a little oval kind of pecan shape with just a few follicles sprinkled throughout, a polycystic ovary by ultrasound has a very distinct appearance where the follicles are positioned around the edge. So it looks like a little black pearl necklace. They'll call it a string of pearl signs. So it's a syndrome that makes it tricky because not every woman presents the same way, but those are the basics of polycystic ovary syndrome. And who is at risk to get it? Well, it appears to be inherited genetically, uh, as most of our healthcare problems are. There are differences in insulin receptors in women who have polycystic ovary syndrome versus women who don't, but it's very common. So at least one in 10 women has PCOS, if not more. So it can certainly happen just out of the blue, but we, we certainly see it more commonly in families where there are metabolic conditions like obesity, uh, diabetes, heart disease, or metabolic disorder, both for men and, and women alike. And can this come in at any age or are we born with it? 
this is something that that doctors don't completely understand yet. And so because it involves ovarian function and the menstrual cycles, it usually presents itself at puberty or early adolescence when young ladies start to begin their menstrual cycles. It, it would be very difficult to diagnose it before then, but we, we don't really know all the details. My, my personal thought is that I do think we're born with it. I think it's a metabolic condition that involves all of the cells in our body, not just our ovaries. And then it declares itself usually in the teenage or adolescent years when those menstrual cycles begin. What are the symptoms? And I guess, I guess I'm wondering if, if someone is in adolescence and they're not really, I, I guess they don't really know their body very well. Right. How do they know what, what they're looking, what they, if they have it, in other words? Yeah. Well, you're exactly right, Melissa. And that's what makes it such a challenge to diagnose it in adolescence because having irregular cycles is kind of the norm for the first couple of years at least. But when women start experiencing extra hair growth or very severe acne, uh, if they start gaining weight unexpectedly and their cycles remain irregular even for two or more years after they started their first period, that's when we suspect polycystic ovary syndrome. Are, are there any health problems associated with PCOS? There are a lot of health problems associated with PCOS. So it can increase a woman's risk of obesity, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure and heart disease, uterine cancer, and infertility. So it really is a key cause or link to all these other very serious health problems. And that's because of the metabolic conditions that are associated with it. It is usually associated with an overproduction of insulin. Insulin can be very inflammatory. It can, in high amounts, cause fat storage. And so this leads to all of these other metabolic conditions that raise the woman's risk of cardiovascular disease diabetes, and cancer. Is there a cure for PCOS? I wish there were. Uh, We're working very hard to try to discover one, but currently the treatment recommendations are going to be diet and exercise and the use of metformin. Metformin is a medication that's a, a pill. It's called an insulin sensitizer, And this medicine helps the body to recognize insulin better so that it's helpful to let glucose move into muscles where it can be burned off as energy rather than the glucose being stored as fat. But many women with PCOS will say this is not so easy because most women are not going to respond very well to to traditional diets like calorie restrictions and I know many women with PCOS who exercise, you know, seven hours per week with a personal trainer and just don't feel like they can lose weight. And metformin, the medication commonly given for PCOS, can cause significant GI or nausea type side effects that just make it so difficult for a woman to tolerate. So we we don't have a cure yet. and, And that is 
a big part of, of my research and, and our team's research here at the Health Sciences Center is to try to find out what is causing PCOS so that we can have a more effective solution. How is it treated? Because it's a syndrome, not every woman is the same. So although most women are going to be overweight or obese, not all, but, but most are going to benefit from some type of diet. And that's one of the keys to our research is trying to find out nutritional ways of treating PCOS because we haven't really found the medication or just standard caloric restriction and exercise to be very effective, but we found some nutritional changes that have benefited a lot. So I tend to modify what the patient's eating, not telling her to eat less, but to tell her to eat more of foods that are going to be healthy for her. If the patient is having irregular menstrual cycles, acne, and hair growth that she doesn't like, and she's not currently trying to have a baby, then birth control pills and a medication called spironolactone are very, very helpful to regulate the menstrual cycles quiet unwanted hair growth, improve scalp hair thickening, and reduce acne, but but those medications would be used in women who aren't trying to get pregnant. Uh, I see a lot of women who very much want to be pregnant, and that brings us into the fertility treatment world. So we use uh, medications. The most common is called Clomid to help these women ovulate better and, and to achieve pregnancy. So it, it depends, the treatment depends on what specific symptoms that individual woman has and the goal that she's trying to achieve. Are women able to get pregnant easier once their PCOS is identified? Definitely, yes. Although this is something that presents very early in life, many times the fertility doctors are the first ones to really diagnose it. And once you identify the problem and help to correct the ovulation and improve health, women are, are usually successful to conceive. So it's really a rumor to say that women with PCOS can't have kids. I, I just can't stand when patients are told that because it, it's just simply not true. Correcting the ovulation and improving the health of women with PCOS is something that we're very successful at. And so I, I believe, yes, that women with PCOS are, are highly likely to achieve pregnancy. And that is because the, the polycystic ovary, it's really, they're really not cysts. They are really follicles or little eggs that are waiting their chance to be the egg of the month. And they're just not getting the signal to ovulate correctly. So in the 1930s, when PCOS was named, they, they really couldn't tell that. They just thought the ovaries had cysts on them. Now we know those aren't cysts at all. They, they don't turn into cancer. They don't cause pain. They are tiny little egg sacs that are just arrested. They're not getting the signal to ovulate. So women with PCOS tend to have very fertile ovaries. And I love to tell them that so that they're not mad at their ovaries the ovaries are really fertile. They just aren't getting the message to complete ovulation. So thankfully, we are, we are usually successful. So if someone is listening to this podcast and they think, well, that sounds like me, I think I might have that. How can they bring that up with their primary care provider? 
Well, the the PCOS, I mean, it is the most common endocrine problem in women, like the most common hormonal problem. So I would recommend that they speak first to their primary care provider and let them know, you know, these specific symptoms that we're talking about, you know, if their periods are irregular, if they're having acne or this darker, coarser hair growth that bothers them. You know, we won't know about the polycystic ovary without an ultrasound, but that's something one could request. I, I believe the primary care provider would be able to do that initial assessment. Gynecologists have additional training in female hormonal issues, and so an, an OBGYN should be excellent at identifying and starting the basic treatment of PCOS. And reproductive endocrinologists as we are in our fertility clinic, we, we've subspecialized, we have extra additional years of training in female hormones. So, you know, hopefully a reproductive endocrinologist would also be helpful. But, but because of the common nature of this condition, I think just seeking care with your primary care provider or gynecologist, these are great places to start. And, you know, this is something I absolutely love to take care of. So, Reproductive endocrinologists can also see patients with PCOS, but sometimes there's just a bit of a waiting list for those appointments. So seeing whoever you could see as soon as possible is what I'd recommend. You were recently recognized for your work in this, for your research in this area and are coming up or are working on an app. What can you tell us about the app? Oh, it is just so exciting. And, you know, I am certainly not in the generation of technology as all the young people are out there, but we are developing an app that is going to provide many accurate state-of-the-art resources for women with PCOS because my goal is to just help women directly so that they have the correct information and resources needed to help themselves as much as possible. So the app, it's going to be called PCOSU, and it is sort of a university kind of educational-based app where women will have educational videos to tell them about PCOS, how it's diagnosed, all about our research and findings about nutritional information. It will have motivational videos. So when women need a little pick-me-up to kind of get through a rough day or to stick with the eating guide, we will be providing some testimonials and inspirational messages. It will have a grocery list that is going to have a list of it's about 75 different foods that can be eaten all she wants, no limitations or starving, but just foods that are going to be extra nutritious and still result in weight loss. And we will also have recipes. My colleagues in this project are Dr. Joe Wong, who's a reproductive endocrinologist who works with me, and Dr. Ali Chapel, who has her PhD in nutritional sciences from Texas Tech. And she and Dr. Wong and I have all worked together to create this, this app. And so we're hopeful that within the next month or two, it will be available. It's not quite available yet. And it will be web-based where you can log in through a website on your computer. So we are just so excited about this. It's going to improve you know, every month until PCOS is cured. 
and we'll be so hopeful that people will check it out. Is there anything that people can sign up for in the meantime until the app is available? Yes. So in January, we launched a website. The website is is called pcos-diet.com or pcos-diet.com. And this is informational website that is also going to provide videos for healthcare providers. It's going to review uh, the diagnosis of PCOS and our research findings. It, It actually has a video that is a condensed version of what I give to our resident physicians and medical students here at Texas Tech. And it has a a diet that's available that you can purchase and download. It is a list of all the foods that can be eaten till you're full and a list of recipes and an educational video. And so the proceeds from that go towards building the app because the app's a, a big and expensive project. And it also goes towards further research in PCOS. So we would absolutely love for people to check out that website, pcos-diet.com. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, we are currently conducting a research study on these dietary recommendations. And so if uh, women are out there the criteria that we're kind of seeking to be in our research study are uh, ages 18 to 45, uh, body mass index of 25 to 45, and that can be easily calculated on a, on a phone or a computer, just knowing your height and weight. And we're conducting this research to try to get people as healthy as possible before the holidays. Then we'll, we'll gear up and recruit again after the new year. But there are opportunities, you know, for women to participate in a research project. And, and patients who have have just said, you know, I learned a lot about myself. It helped me to be compliant because I held myself accountable because I was in the research study. So that's an exciting opportunity if anyone is interested. Is that limited to local participants in Lubbock? It does require two visits to our clinic, but we have had patients travel from many hours away to participate. So if someone's willing to travel here, uh, the study just includes two visits. It's one done early in the morning fasting where we take some blood work and body measurements. Then we uh, open a little envelope to determine the patient's treatment group. And she participates in those recommendations for eight weeks and then comes back and repeats another visit to see how the treatment worked. So if someone is willing to come to Lubbock for two visits that are spaced eight weeks apart, then even if they live far away, no problem. And how can they sign up or get more information for this? I'll be happy to give my email address. And so it is Jennifer, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R dot phi, P-H-Y, at T-T-U-H-S-C dot E-D-U. And I'll include that also in our show notes. That would be great. This has been a very interesting topic. Thank you so much for coming to our podcast and talking about this. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a very frustrating condition for women to have, but in my career, this has been the most rewarding and and wonderful 
patient group to take care of because it it is so much fun to teach a, a person to know exactly what's going on with her body and for her to know, you know, this is a true medical condition. It, it's not her fault that she's overweight or it's not her fault that she's not getting pregnant. This is a real medical condition that has very specific treatments to help goals to be achieved. And so it, it is just so wonderful to see women feel empowered and to understand their bodies and and to correct the problems that they have have been suffering with. So I very much appreciate you getting the word out. And September is PCOS Awareness Month. So it's the perfect time to talk about it with friends and family and pass the news along. Yes, it is. Well, thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. And again, thanks for coming on our podcast. All right. Thank you, Melissa. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you're interested in signing up for the study, the deadline is September 20th. Thanks for listening to Get on the Mend. If you like what you've heard, please feel free to share this episode with your friends and family. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Get on the Mend is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center.